Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special live edition of the Indie Matters podcast from the Nevada Independent. I'm your host, Joey Lovato, up here in Reno. And I'm reporter and producer Jacob Solis down in Las Vegas. As we close out uh, day number four here on this election, things still aren't done and dusted. But we do have a much clearer picture of where the election stands. So we did want to take this opportunity to sit down with some of Team Indy and break down what's happening, how we got here, and where we go now. Here to break it all down for us, Joey, who's here? We got uh, Megan Messerly, our 2020 reporter, and the man who needs no introduction, editor John Ralston himself. How's it going, you guys? Going great. Hi there. (laughs) <laughs> so it's been a okay. it's been a busy couple of We're days surviving. <laughs> let's um i mean let's just get into it like you know what are we looking at john are you ready to call the race <laughs> well, i've already called it um in the okay. uh, i mean there's there's no uh, I, I mean megan's shown some of the math uh on, on twitter riley has shown some of the math on twitter i've been showing math for like three weeks now or something like that. Uh, and, and there's just, there's no path here for Trump because uh, all, almost all of the votes are left in Clark. Uh, and there's no, and now that Biden has a 22,000 uh, plus lead, uh, the math just is not there. There's no presumable scenario where the Republicans are going to pick up that much ground in Clark County. They're likely to lose a, a lot more ground in Clark County. So, I, I, I listen, I think the presidential race is over in Nevada. Okay, well, this is interesting then, because I think that there's a lot of hesitation from national outlets to not call Nevada until we know more about these outstanding mail ballots, these provisional ballots, of which there are tens of thousands left in the wild now. Um, so why is it that uh, you and everyone who's doing the math online is so confident, um, and still yet we have this hesitation um, from the national networks to actually make that final call? I think the answer to that question is 2016, uh, Jacob. I think everyone feels and nationally feels burned by essentially saying Hillary Clinton was going to win right up until uh, the middle of, of, of election night when suddenly everyone realized, uh-oh, maybe she's not going to win. And when I say everyone, I mean the, net, the networks. Um, uh, and, and so they're being very cautious and I get why they're why they're being uh, cautious. The AP has called Arizona. Uh, I believe uh, uh, Fox has called Arizona. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Megan. And, and I know Bloomberg has called Arizona, which brings uh, Biden to, to 264. So if they call Nevada, we're the state that puts him uh, uh, over over the top. But uh, listen, um, I, I've talked to my friends at NBC. Uh, they're very, very cautious about doing this. They see, you know, that there's tens of thousands of ballots out there and only a 20,000 lead. They don't want to make a mistake. There's been some misinformation that's been put out there at times. There's been some bad communication, I think, by the election officials here uh, out to the world. And so people are worried about whether they're getting the right information. So they want to be sure. I get it. Uh, I, I really do. I don't want to. I wouldn't want to be in their position. Uh, but but uh, the race here is over. I think Megan wants to jump in. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say. I mean, I think um, you know, like we saw this morning, yesterday, we were under the impression that there were 190,000 outstanding ballots, right? And we found out this morning from Clark County when they only released a batch of of 30,000 this morning that okay, no, that the 51,000 that we expected to receive, which was part of that 190,000 was actually 30,000. And that was the result of um, Joe Gloria, the Clark County Registrar said, you know, that the numbers he'd been given by, by a staffer, that was for the number of individual pages that had to be counted 
counted, not the total number of ballots. And so that ended up being, you know, 20, 21,000 ballots less than we thought were out there. And so when, I think when you have things happening like that, you know, there's some question of, okay, so, so, you know, Joe Gloria says that the, the rest of the numbers are correct. We're, you know, there's the 63,000 mail-in ballots that we're now chipping away at. That's down to 55,000 with the most recent update that just came out, you know, literally uh, within the hour. Um, but I, I think there is some, at least, you know, concern that, okay, well, you know, what if things, <laughs> what if things change? Right. And I think like John was saying, you look at this um, 22,000 vote lead, and then you look at there's 120,000 ballots out there in Nevada. I think it looks scary. And apologies. My dog is now barking at something. <laughs> Hello, <Moby. laughs> you decided to join the podcast. There's a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> Moby's making a call right now, but we can't quite translate it. <laughs> he is. Um, but anyways, like I was saying, I think the problem is that we're just looking at this, you know, massive number of ballots that still have yet to be counted. And logic would tell us that they're likely to go in Joe Biden's favor. Um, you know, those 55,000 mail ballots that are left. We've seen the mail that's come in yesterday and today. Those have been splitting two to one in favor of Joe Biden over Donald Trump. Um, but those provisional ballots we're expecting to be a little bit more even. So it's just a question of sort of, you know, do things actually work out the way they, we think they're going to work out, you know, some trepidation about what if they don't. So I wanted to remind uh, all the viewers, all the people that are jumping in right now, that if you have any questions, drop them in the comments. And I'm sure we're going to get a million. So we might not get to all of your questions, um, but we already have some coming in. Do you guys want to want to jump to those right now? Or do you have anything sure. else you want to say? Well, about? Let people ask questions. All right. So uh, the first question is, John, do you think that the final margin in Nevada will be three to four um, <clears> percent? <throat> I think it's possible. Uh, Joey, that, that, that it could get that high. If the proportions continue, and Megan laid that out a little bit here in Clark County with the mail ballots, then Biden is going to keep gaining uh, thousands of votes with every update. Um, the, the rural vote essentially is exhausted. Megan will correct me if I have the number wrong, but I think there's only uh, maybe 8,000 votes out there. And, and some of those are provisional ballots. We should tell people what provisional ballots mean. Those are people generally who who registered on the day that they voted, same day registration. So they're not positive their ballots even going to count because they want to check it after all the mail is counted to make sure that they hadn't voted before. But even if they're, every single one is counted, you have 8,000 votes uh, versus you know 15 times as many votes in Clark County. So that's not going to matter. Having said that, uh, I, I think it could be uh, as, as much as four points. Um, uh, you know, if Biden's going to win the state, I think he should win by four points because then I can brag that I had the margin exactly right in my <laughs> prediction, which is really the only important thing. But seriously, um, if you look what it was and, and, and Megan, say what the numbers were. I think it was a little bit under a percent and now it's getting up there close to two percent. Right. Yeah, we're, we're at one point eight percent right now. And we were at essentially point nine uh, after election night. We we're at point six. So we've been gradually sort of creeping our <laughs> creeping our way up. What else, Joey? Uh, they are coming in so fast that I'm trying to copy and paste them and I cannot, but <laughs> here's what we got. Okay, so uh, did Nevada really stop counting for the day? I think I can jump in on, on this one. And um, you know, I know that election officials have pointed to their live streams where you can literally click in and you just see them uh, see them counting ballots. And, and so the issue is not then, you know, them just counting for an hour and, and giving up and stopping and going home for the day. The problem is that 
the process of counting a mail ballot involves a lot of steps. It's, it's, it's a lot harder than just counting an election day ballot because you have these envelopes and the envelopes have paper ballots with secrecy sleeves. And in Clark County, we had all these judicial races. So the ballot is many pages long. Um, those have to be you know, opened and then it has to go through the signature verification machine and then the manual checks and then it goes to counting and tabulation. So it's kind of this lengthy process. Um, it just takes you know, human effort and time to actually get through those ballots. So again, it's not that, you know, they, they've just been doing two hours a day and then calling it good. Um, you know, they have been steadily processing these ballots. But I think one thing worth noting as well is, you know, these ballots are getting processed, but they've made the decision here in Nevada to release results. Now we're getting them twice a day. Clark County has uh, released an additional batch this afternoon, but they're not trickling out, you know, every little bit like they are in other states. So that's why you don't see, you know, if you're watching the, the networks, it's not, oh, now we just got, you know, 100 more votes in from, from Story County. We've had these sort of, you know, measured um, scheduled batches that have come in, which has separated us a little bit, I think, from what you've seen in other states. Real, real quickly, Joey, because I know there's a ton of questions. We want to get to as many as possible. I think the frustration is when people are watching a state like Pennsylvania or even Georgia or even Arizona, significantly larger populations, registered voter bases, and they see that millions of votes have been counted already there. And they're wondering why Nevada, a much smaller state, can't do it faster. Uh, I, I, I get that. Uh, on the other hand, I just don't think they were prepared for the avalanche of mail ballots that came in. And, and Megan talked about how a little bit complicated, even in Clark County with dozens of uh, judicial races there. And then you have the other thing that's going on nationally is you have people who wanted to beat Donald Trump so badly that they just they want the finality of it. Right. They want the, the networks. They want everyone to call uh, the election over. And the fact that it hasn't happened uh, is why there's so much frustration boiling over on social media, I think. So it's just that Nevada wasn't prepared for these mail-in ballots the way that maybe other states were, were because people are just, you know, what makes Nevada so much slower? And, you know, we've got all these memes coming up, right? Like the Nevada slow count, you know, how much, how much longer is it going to take Nevada to, to count all these ballots? I, I don't think there's a good explanation. I don't think they have a good explanation for it, by the way. And I think that they've come up with conflicting explanations and conflicting numbers, which have only added to, oh my God, Nevada is a joke, a backwater and all those memes, by the way, some of them are absolutely hilarious, even though we are <laughs> some a lot of these jokes. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, it's too bad. But as far as the credibility uh, of the count, there, there's nothing has been said that, that would cast any doubt on that. It's just the number of ballots left where, where I think the, the, the contradictions have come in. And just to add really quickly, um, Joe Gloria, the Clark County Registrar, has said the goal will be to count the bulk of mail ballots by Sunday. Um, obviously, you know, folks who've been watching this know that, you know, in Nevada, in Nevada, we sent out ballots to all, you know, active registered voters. Those have to be postmarked by Election Day, but they can actually still be counted through Tuesday. Uh, so they're going to be processing those as, as they come in. But, but it sounds like they're trying to play at least catch up by Sunday. And then, you know, if they receive, you know, 155 votes, you know, they can process those as, as they come in through Tuesday. And I think we got a, another question in here. Um, and I, I like the way this question was asked and it's for Jacob and it's just Susie Lee and then a million question marks. <laughs> so I think they're talking about the Susie Lee, Dan Rodeimer uh, uh, race down in Las Vegas. Jacob, you want to give us an update on where they are with that? Yeah, I'm, Susie Lee's lead has only gotten bigger since election night. Um, and in much the same way as Joe Biden's lead has only gotten bigger because they're benefiting benefiting from a lot of the same factors here when we talk about the way that mail ballots have been favoring Democrats in Clark County. Um, 
Susie Lee is a Democrat in Clark County. And so we've seen um, basically a couple thousand ballots every single day um, add to her uh, add to her total. And, you know, we went from, I think, a point and a half lead over uh, Republican Dan Rodimer and CD3, which I should mention includes um, basically the southern half of Clark County uh, stretching up through Las Vegas, up around the 215, a little bit of Summerlin, and then basically Henderson and south. Um, And so that area uh, has basically... You know, we're looking at a three-point lead today uh, on Friday. Uh, it was a two-point lead yesterday. It was a one-and-a-half-point lead the day before that. And I don't think we have, like, like we don't really have a super huge reason to believe that, you know, Donald Trump is going to close the gap on um, uh, uh, Joe Biden. I don't, I don't know that we have a ton of evidence that the, unless the, the mail ballots that are being counted suddenly start skewing towards Dan Rodimer, um, that that gap is going to narrow either. Okay. And Jacob, I, I see you've, you're grabbing some questions too. Do you want to you throw some in while I grab those few as well? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I think, okay, we already answered some of these. Um, but actually <laughs> I do uh, more on the Susie Lee thing. And this, this is uh, for you, John. And that's, we did call the race for uh, Stephen Horsford in CD4. Um, and he's running very similar margins to Susie Lee. He's uh, running at about a three, 3.8, four point margin over uh, uh, Jim Marchant. And he has about the same number of raw votes total, 11,000 and 11,000, as Susie Lee does over Dan Rodimer. Why haven't we called CD3? Well, we have called CD4. You putting the pressure on me here, Jacob, to to, to call this live. <laughs> Listen, um, I, I, I think we could actually call uh, the Susie Lee race as, as well for the reasons that I suggested. Um, uh, the, 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 there is so much straight ticket voting that is going on, and especially goes on in a year like this, that there is a trickle down effect every time uh, these ballots come in. Uh, Joe Biden's going to gain. Susie Lee's going to gain. Stephen Horsford's going to gain. Candidates for the legislature are, are going to gain. There's going to be very few anomalies, and there's no reason to believe that somehow uh, Dan Rodimer is going to start catching up. So uh, we can probably call the the uh, the, the Susie Lee race as well. There's just nothing out there that would indicate based on the patterns before the election uh, with the mail ballots that anything is going to change to start bringing those races back towards the Republicans. There's there's nothing to indicate that. Maybe in some individual legislative races, the gains won't be com- as proportional. In other words, Republicans might cut their losses in some of them, but most of those races are, are, going, to, are going to keep going towards the Democrats. And, you know, that just... I can't imagine what it must be like for these candidates, right? The election was supposed to be over Tuesday and we're having to wait and wait and wait, right? You campaign for a year, a year and a half and the election's still not over and you're, more votes are, are, are coming in. It must just be agonizing. So here's another Some, question on the, oh, the Zoom. Uh, I'll go, I'll go, Jacob. I've All seen right, this question like, uh, I've seen this question like 10 times. So uh, why do you think that the networks are taking so long to call Nevada when they called Arizona so much earlier? Uh I, I feel personally snubbed in this, by the way, since, <laughs> since, since I called it over, what, 24, 36 hours ago, time means nothing uh, a, a, anymore. Listen, I think that they, they know more about the voting uh, in Maricopa County, uh, I assume. And, and I think there's one other county, it's a Pima County, that I don't know Arizona as well, uh, where they mm-hmm. think there are some Biden votes. So they don't think that Trump is going to catch, is going to catch up. And I just think because of Nevada, because of Nevada and being Nevada being a weird state, that the conflicting information, the relatively small lead that Biden has compared to the number of ballots that are left, 
I, uh, I'm, I have to tell you, I, I, I just I, I think they're just worried about making a wrong call, which might be, uh, lead to the next question. Why is John Ralston not worried about making a wrong call? Uh, <laughs> and, and of course, I'm not worried at all. <laughs> All right. So I want to ask a question about turnout. Um, 2020 is on track to be one of the highest turnout we've, years we've seen in decades. But Nevada hasn't seen the same kind of super high turnout we've seen in other swing states. What happened in Nevada? Do we have any indication of why turnout here? You know, we're, we're questioning whether or not it's going to match 2016 right now. Um, why is that? Well, I can jump in. Yeah, I pulled some numbers earlier today, which I'm now scrolling through my Twitter feed. Okay. So for Nevada to match its 2016 turnout, it needs to count um, 80,624 ballots. And for Clark County to match its 2016 turnout, this is percentage-wise, by the way, it needs 72,922 ballots. So again, we've run through, you know, the numbers. If those, um, you know, if those mail ballots and those provisional ballots in Clark are all, all counted, we will, you know, we will hit that. Um, it's been interesting. I was looking at some of the counties, and you know, you see. Um, you know, turnout down in certain places like Carson City for for whatever reason is down above its 2016 turnout. Um, Clark, you know, if it if it comes through with as many ballots as we think are going to be processed, we'll probably end up being a little bit above uh, 2016. Washoe is already a little bit not not a ton above 2016, but a little bit above 2016 turnout. Um, you know, percentage wise, and I, I think you know you have to look at the the factors going into this election right um you know the pandemic and and how you know uh, that can stymie turnout and, and prevent turnout on the other hand we had mail voting and the legislature's decision to expand that and then the huge you know overwhelming uh turnout that we saw through mail but then not seeing that same turnout on election day right so all those factors sort of balance against each other and it seems like we're going to end up kind of eventually where we were in 2016 um, by sort of cobbling all those different voting methods together. But, you know, 2020 is a, a weird, <laughs> a weird year. I don't think we had any idea uh, what was what was going to happen. Um, so I, I just think, you know, the fact that, and the broader point is, you know, imagine what turnout would be like in Nevada if we didn't have mail ballots, right? Um, you know, you can just imagine that uh, you know, that that was so successful in, in letting people participate, you know, are there people who wouldn't have felt comfortable going to the polls? Maybe they would have requested an absentee ballot. But, you know, there's people who forget it's not on the top of their mind. And then by the time they think about it, it's too late. And then, you know, OK, do I want to wear a mask? Do I want to go out in public if I'm a high risk individual. Um, and does that limit turnout? And obviously you could, you could play, you know, should have, could have, would have what that would have looked like had we not had um, mail, mail balloting. But I think, you know, the fact that we're going to end up pretty 16 just sort of speaks to the role that mail balloting played here. I have an interesting question actually about mail-in balloting from uh, Tracy, which is uh, what are the odds that Nevada will eventually go to an all mail-in ballot system? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I I'm sure Megan's been thinking about this too. I, I think that there is a lot of satisfaction, especially among Democrats, about how easy it was for them to cast a mail ballot. And remember, the ballot isn't always going to have these dozens of judicial races on it. And so it's not going to be that that hard to just fill out your ballot and put it in the mail or, or, or go drop it off. I would not be surprised to see a bill in the next legislative session that, 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 that talks about, if not all mail, uh, somehow going to a mostly mail uh, system. Now, they're going to have to make changes. They're going to have to give uh, uh, more staff, especially in Clark County, uh, for that. But I think some people are are, go are, are going to um, 
uh, especially since it's controlled by the Democrats and they did so well in mail balloting, I think there's going to be a push for it. Now, whether it's successful or not, I don't know, but I, I think it's going to come. So here's another question on the counting process. And, you know, the, the counting delay we're seeing now actually isn't super unfamiliar to us. I think in the primary, we waited days for results and what was a real chaotic period in the midst of the coronavirus at the time. And even in 2018, things were not super speedy here in Nevada. Is there anything the state can do or is there any talk of this, something the state might do to actually improve the time it takes to count votes in Nevada? That's from Eric, by the way, that question. <laughs> Thank you, you Eric, for the in? question. Do you want to jump in, John, or do you want me to try to take a stab Go at ahead. it? Go ahead. Okay. I mean, I think, you know, I think in the aftermath of any election, right, there's all this soul searching about, you know, what what could we have done better and, and you know, different policies to change that. And just thinking about what we've seen, you know, in the, the, the last legislative session, as far as changes, you know, to our electoral process, the, the biggest one being same day voter registration, I think that elected officials are are continuously looking at, at changes to to improve it and to speed things up, um, make it easier for, for voters to vote. But on the other hand, I mean, I, I think, I think, you know, I keep returning to the point that I think, you know, Joe Gloria, like I mentioned, the Clark County Registrar has been making, which is, you know, things aren't working from a public perspective and that we want an answer. We want to know who's the next president. We, we want to know, you know, which of our local officials are elected, but from the overall perspective of, you know, are people's ballots being counted? Are they being counted slowly and methodically and correctly? Like the actual process of the election is working. It's just not working as quickly um, as we'd like it to. And so then I think you come down to, you know, the question of, you know, if we're speeding up the process, is it worth that investment when, you know, with things being slow as they are, everyone's ballots are, are still being counted correctly and, you know, accurately and everything. So, um, you know, is it worth it for that investment to satisfy sort of the, 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 the you know, our desire in this, um, you know, social media, media, digital age to sort of know everything um, immediately? And maybe the answer is yes, you know, maybe we decide that is something that's, that's important and a priority for us. But a lot of the focus, I think, um, from lawmakers has been on, you know, specifically expanding access. Um, and that's, I mean, that's why this, this process is taking so long. Right. Because we, you know, the state of Nevada decided to send mail ballots out to everyone. And as a result, it's taking a long time to, to count all of those. And so, you know, we're seeing this this slowness of the process actually tied to this overarching goal of expanding access to the polls. You know, I think the issue is, is that as long as you have a human element in here, uh, not just people having to count the ballots, but you have after the polls close, you have to have the ballot uh, ballots gathered at all of the polling places and then brought back to the election department and then making sure that everything is OK. It's going to take a while. People are very, very frustrated by that, especially people in the media, since we're waiting uh, with bated breath. It's not always going to be like it is now. With, with, with the presidential race this close, I don't think, although it's possible, uh, I, I suppose. But that is why a lot of people think that, that, that taking the human element out of this eventually is going to be the right way to do it because technology is improving, that you just go online and vote. Uh, now there's all kinds of, you know, people are scared of that right now, but eventually they won't be, I think. And, and then everything is gonna be almost instantaneous uh, on election nights, which will uh, means we're gonna have to eat the pizza faster, I guess. <laughs> we'll get a little more sleep, maybe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, uh, Barbara Buckley asked, did the 4 p.m. announcement happen yet? And I think I can answer that, which is it did. Yeah, and their batch of ballots was really small, actually, uh, smaller than we were kind of hoping. So uh, it, 
It did. Yeah, we received about um, 8,700 new votes from Clark County. They again split pretty much uh, two to one for for Joe Biden over over Donald Trump. So we're looking at about 39,000 ballots in total that came out of Clark County today. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting question that's kind of maybe not necessarily related, but uh, ancillary. But um, with so many judges, where do you guys stand on the populace electing judges in the first place? And I think I know where you guys stand on this. But, John, you want to? You don't want Megan to give her opinion on that because theoretically reporters have, I have no, no opinions. <laughs> um, but, but of course, judges <laughs> should not run for office. Uh, and it makes no sense. I don't want to go through all the reasons because I'm sure there's a lot of uh, other questions out there. But uh, it's not going to change very soon. There, there is this disconnect in the voters' mind. Don't take away my right to vote. And then you look every time, and we'll see this this time, too, especially. I haven't looked at the numbers yet. But there's a huge drop-off when you get down to the judges. People just don't vote for them because they don't know who they are. Um, uh, or they're casting uninformed votes. And that's why we took on this project uh, with the Boyd Law School this time and with a, with a superb legal analysis team to give him more information about judges. And as long as they, we elect judges in this state, we're going to keep doing that at the Indian and we're going to probably uh, improve on it every cycle. And probably we're going to improve on it uh, every cycle. So I get people's frustration with that too, when they open their ballot and, and it, you know, you see dozens of races and probably for too many people, they don't recognize many of the names. It's terrible. So uh, missed the name on this one. So sorry about that, everyone. But um, is there a sense yet um, in the presidential race, at least, of the demographic breakdown of how people are voting? That's been a huge issue this entire campaign, whether or not Joe Biden could mobilize the suburbs and the white voters there versus how Trump could do uh, with non-white voters. And there's been a lot of talk in states like Texas and Arizona about those non-white voters and the way that they voted. Is there any sense of, of those demographic trends in Nevada? Or if there isn't, when might we know that information? John, do you want to I, I haven't seen a lot of exit polling. I don't know. Maybe maybe Megan has. I've seen some, but I, and I don't always trust exit polls uh, either. But uh, there's going to be a lot of studies done after the election uh, by Latino decisions and by Pew and others to try to dig de uh, deeper into the demographics of the election. I, I just think it's too early. And I, I don't think you should put a lot of stock in exit polls. Yeah, I think it's hard too. I mean, I was even trying to do some data analysis today and it's just, you know, not all the votes are in, you know, so we're trying to do analysis a little bit prematurely. On the other hand, I wanted to give a, a shout out to our excellent indie turns who I believe are working on a story about some of this. And they, you know, were talking to lots of voters at the poll and they've been, you know, listening to some of these calls that various organizations have had in the wake of the election, you know, getting their sort of initial impressions of what turnout was like. So check out the NevadaIndependent.com and we will have more for you on that in the next couple of days. That's right. Um, I've seen a couple of questions asking about this. So um, is there any real indication of fraud or misconduct? You know, what's your degree of confidence that the, the you know, these, these results are legitimate? Um, you know, I know the, the, was it the Federalist reported that someone had voted that had died. Uh, is there any like legitimacy to any of this? Well, let me tell you what happens every election. There are stories like this. Every mm -hmm. single election, there are isolated cases of potential fraud. Uh, and most of them, if not 99% of them, uh, do not pan out one, uh, 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 on further scrutiny. There may be isolated cases of fraud. It is clearly true that there is more potential for fraud with mail balloting and with so-called ballot collection or ballot harvesting when someone delivers your ballot than there is with just straight up going in into uh, and voting in a voting machine. But there is no evidence at all of some kind of a conspiracy or organized voter fraud, which essentially is what the president and his allies have argued 
uh, not just here, uh, but elsewhere. But there's going to be isolated cases. Any of us who have covered elections get the emails on election day and afterwards. You're not going to believe what I saw. You're not going to believe what happened to me. And so uh, but there's zero evidence, zero evidence of any kind of organized voter fraud anywhere, by the way. I think one thing that's worth noting, too, we haven't talked much about the legislative races, but um, right now looking at the assembly, Republicans are leading in three competitive you know, Democratic um, Assembly seats or, and, you know, if, if they do hold on to those seats, Democrats will lose their supermajority uh, in the state assembly and Democrats have been hoping to pick up um, an additional state Senate seat up north. And, and it looks like that probably is not going to happen. So, you know, if there is fraud, if the Democrats were rigging the election, they didn't do a very good job of it because they're like, you know, sort of losing ground and not gaining the ground that they had hoped to, at least looking at the, the legislative races. Unless they're really, really good at these conspiracies, say, let's make this look good. We'll win Biden and the two congressional races. We'll hang on to the state Senate seats, but we won't get a supermajority. Then we'll give the Republicans a couple of uh, assembly seats. Isn't that the way to do it? Can you imagine the matrix that exists and so much computer showing how that was done? I mean, that's what you have to believe. You have to suspend your disbelief to that point. Um, someone asked a question about the ballot questions and a lot of those are looking like they've passed. Um, and this is specifically for Jacob because you did a lot of reporting on uh, question one. Um, but it appears that it, it might be losing, even though there was an organized campaign for it. Um, you know why that might be? So it's really difficult to say exactly why question one isn't doing particularly well, other than what we can see in the voting splits. And that's the entire state but Clark County has essentially rejected question one. But Clark County is voting for it at about a 55, 45 rate right now. And actually the mail ballots that are still trickling in are an even greater margin. We're seeing something like 65 plus percent of those ballots in favor of question one. What that means, um, this in simple terms, is that if you know question one is gonna gain somewhere between 7,000 and 10,000 yes votes in, in the net average per day, then we could see essentially a pure 50-50 split by the time all the votes are counted on Sunday. So um, I don't know that it's going to fail yet. I don't think anyone knows that. Um, ah. No one involved knows that. Um, but the in the simplest terms, right, it, there really is a dedicated yes vote in Clark and everywhere else a no vote. Um, and I don't think anyone particularly expected that. I don't think the yes people did. There wasn't really a no campaign, which is also very interesting that there was functionally no organized effort to defeat this thing and it still might fail. Um, and I think it just has to do with the long history of higher education in this state. I think that if you look regionally, right, there is there is a higher education divide between Northern Nevada and Southern Nevada. Um, is that divide still here? I don't think it really is among the people at the top, right? The regents and the legislators. I don't know that there's necessarily th this north-south split, but among a lot of the voters, um, the people who are actually approving this thing, um, I think there is this sense in Southern Nevada, at least, uh, of mistrust of the way that perhaps the higher education system was run in the past. And that mistrust might be driving support for question one. But it, honestly, it's too early to say we really don't know. And we don't even actually know if the thing will pass or fail right now. Okay. Um, here's a question from Ronnie, which is, uh, there were more than 40,000 ballots that needed to have ID verification by 5 p.m. today. Uh, what do we know about these verifications? Uh, how many people have followed through with that verification? And what's kind of going on there? 
We've not gotten updated numbers on those uh, signature verifications. I believe there are about 44,000 of them uh, that needed to be uh, verified or potentially verified. Um, it's worth noting a lot of this has to do with the fact that there was so much mail uh, balloting this time around. And essentially, when you register uh, to vote, usually they'll ask for your driver's license number or social security number to try to verify who you are. Um, if they can't verify who you are to vote in a federal election, they will ask for some additional um, you know, proof of identification. And there's certain things that you know, you can bring with you to the polling place. So um, people who had not met that verification requirement, their, their ballots were supposed to be stamped with a, you know, ID required, um, you know, mark on it. Uh, but, it, you know, obviously not everyone was was able to do that and provide provide that ID. And so that's why we saw that deadline today for folks to, you know, come in and provide that ID. I believe there were, um, you know, some lines outside of uh, the Clark County, you know, election department of, of folks, you know, trying to, you know, get in before that deadline and provide uh, provide their IDs. I'm, I'm assuming we will get an up update from, from Joe Gloria tomorrow. Um, he's been holding, you know, daily press conferences on where all the numbers are at. So, you know, I'm sure we'll get more specifics on exactly, you know, how many of those were, were able to be cleared, um, you know, before the deadline. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to see that it, it would be, you know, anywhere near that that number. Um, but we'll, we'll have to reach tomorrow to figure out exactly what that, um, how that those numbers panned out. And so unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap things up here in a second, because Megan has to be on TV soon. Um, but we did <laughs> want to get one last question um, about the legislature. And we talked a, about it a little bit earlier. Um, but um, a lot of legislative races were on the ballot this year. Um, Democrats had a supermajority in the assembly. They nearly had one in the Senate, um, but things are not looking as rosy as they did in 2018, in 2020 for legislative Democrats in Nevada. So I think on simple terms, what are we looking at right now? Um, where are those races? What are, what does the makeup of power, what does the balance of power look like for the next session coming in January? Right. I mean, so a lot of these races are, are really close. I mean, we've talked about the presidential race, we've talked about the congressional race, you know, things have been similarly close for these key, um, you know, state Senate and state assembly races that we've been watching in the state Senate. Um, the, the key districts are state Senate district five and six. Those are currently held by Democrats. They're trying to hang on to control of them right now. Um, Nicole Cannizzaro, the Senate majority leader is, is, you know, hanging on to her seat just barely by 311 uh, votes. She was, she was ahead, then she was behind. Now she's she's ahead again. Uh, so if that trend holds, and again, if we see these you know ballots continue to split in favor of Democrats, um, you know I think you know she's hoping to hold on to that seat when, when everything pans out. Um, right now in Senate District Five, Republicans are actually um, you know leading, but again we're we're seeing these the, you know um, ballots coming in trending trending Democratic. So I think it's some maybe like 135 votes. It's in the hundred uh, vote margin. So so we'll see how that race shakes out when we get more ballots in tomorrow. Uh, Democrats have been hoping to pick up uh, Senate District 15 in the North from Heidi Cancer, the Republican. Um, based on the results right now, it looks like that probably is not going to happen. Though again, you know there are still ballots that could come in from from Washoe, but it's it's a pretty big margin there, so it would be harder to overcome. Uh, that seat would have given Democrats a supermajority, so that looks like that will probably not happen. And then the state assembly where we were talking about Democrats have a, a super majority. They can um, right now they can uh, they have 29 seats and they can only afford to lose one uh, and keep their super majority. Right now there are three that they appear in danger of losing. And those margins are quite a bit wider than they are in those Senate district five and Senate district six races. So, you know, it's, it's not impossible, but it would take, you know, it would take a lot, right. Uh, for, for those to, for those races to be decided assembly district four, for instance, a rematch, 
between Richard MacArthur, the former assemblyman, and, and Connie Monk, uh, that, that race um, has a pretty, pretty decent margin. Um, and the Assembly District 31 up in northern Nevada, another, we've had a lot of rematches this year, <laughs> a rematch between <laughs> Skip Daly, the Democratic assemblyman, and former assemblywoman Jill Dickman. Um, she's leading by quite a bit. And then down south, a uh, key swingy seat, um, Assembly District 37 between Shea Bacchus, the uh, incumbent Democrat, and then Andy Matthews. And, and Andy Matthews is leading by quite a bit. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on those numbers, obviously, but it, but it seems like Democrats could lose as many as uh, three seats, which, which will take their supermajority away from them. So they're not going to have a supermajority in either house, almost certainly, and that is going to have a huge impact on what happens in the legislature uh, next time. And uh, that's why um, Megan and whoever else she can get to help her are going to be writing a very deeply reported piece about what that means for the debate over Nevada's financial crisis, because this is all happening on the same day that uh, it was announced that the agencies are being asked for, I believe, 12 percent. Uh, budget cuts. There, there is going to be a tax package that is put forward uh, next time. That means that the Democrats, to get it through, are going to need to persuade Republicans in both houses. Totally changes the dynamic of the next legislature. It does. I mean, if we think about it, in the last session, all all you know, Senate Democrats had to do was persuade one Republican. Now it becomes a much tougher game. You know, you're not just persuading one single human being. Now you're persuading a handful. Yep. All right. Well, we've got a lot more questions and we don't have a lot more time. We got to get back to working. Megan's got to jump on a TV. John, I'm sure you have some NBC hits to do at some point tonight. So uh, we're going to wrap it up there. But uh, if you have any questions that weren't answered, you can always email us. Um, it's just our name at the nvindy.com. It's Joey, Jacob, Megan, or John. And uh, Jacob, that you donate run the outro. I'm on the site, Jacob uh, uh, and, and Joey and Megan. I got to make the shameless plug. If you really appreciate what this team has been doing, uh, they've been working so hard. Uh, uh, please help us out. We're a nonprofit. We survive on donations from readers. So uh, go and hit that button too before you read the stories or after. I really don't care when you hit it. <laughs> That's right. Help us keep our jobs going. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. Um, yeah, we'd like to thank you, Megan, and you, John, for just being on the show today. If you like listening to the podcast, consider leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Like Joey said, if you have thoughts about it, you can email us at joey at the nvnd.com or jacob at the nvnd.com. And our theme song, which you will hear in the audio version of this, you didn't hear it during the live version, but it's written by the Reno band People With Bodies. Uh, they're great. You can check them out on SoundCloud and uh, uh, Spotify. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to Indie Matters, the live version. I'm Joey Lovato. I'm Jacob Solis. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>